Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you. You will uh, turn with me to Isaiah uh, chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 6 and 7 and then flip over to John chapter 14. And when you're there, if you will stand with me. We'll read the word of the Lord. Then we'll flip to John chapter 14 and verse 27. Isaiah chapter 9. Verses 6 and 7, it says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it, and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. In John 14 and verse 27, the Lord Jesus speaking here, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the public reading of Scripture this morning. We thank you for your graciousness towards us and your mercy upon us. And Lord, we pray that in these next few moments you would do what you have been doing since we walked in this building this morning, and that is draw us near through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for the time of prayer. We thank you, Lord, for the time of worship. We thank you, God, for the time of giving. We thank you, Father, for the time of reflection on the Advent season. We thank you, Lord, for the reading of the word of the Lord. We thank you, God, for the preaching of the word of the Lord. And so, God, we just rest in you this morning. We thank you, God, for your graciousness today. And we ask these things in your precious name, we pray. Amen. Before you're seated, if you will, share a hand of fellowship with one another and greet one another in the name of the Lord. If you have children uh, up through uh, second grade, they can be dismissed to uh, one of the nurseries or to the children's area. Uh, if you have children uh, up through second grade, they can be dismissed at this time.
very excited to be able to celebrate with you the Advent season uh, as we get a sense of what it is to anticipate uh, the waiting for the coming of the Lord. That is why the church throughout uh, the church's history has has celebrated Advent. Sometimes uh, we think about it sort of in a more liturgical context, but ultimately what Advent is, is it's to give us all a taste of what it was for Israel to continue to wait for the coming of Messiah. Uh, Much of our Christian walk at times, it seems, is waiting, is waiting for God uh, to do things in our life, waiting for God to do things in our church or in our uh, community. And Advent gives us a sense of that, which is why uh, we kind of light the candles that throughout uh, throughout our time together, we notice that there are three candles yet to be lit. And so we look with anticipation for what is uh, to come. Um, my hope is that as we continue uh, this process throughout the Advent season, that you're so excited you won't miss a Sunday. <laughs> and uh, that uh, God will move on your heart as we think about Uh, the Advent season uh, together, a beautiful time of year where as believers, we don't just think about a babe in a manger, although it's important for us to rehearse that. And I would encourage you as we're trying to help you with the devotionals we gave out last week uh, to reflect on what it means to be a believer during the Advent season. But we don't just look to a babe in a manger. We look to a risen and resurrected Lord who has forgiven us of our sins and is coming again. So Advent is not just reflecting on what it was to wait. Advent is also a taste and thinking about what it is for us to wait because we're in a season of anticipation as well, waiting for the second Advent or the second coming of uh, the Lord. And so I pray this time and season will uh, be a blessing uh, to you. I want to share some personal thoughts before we uh, walk into uh, the message this morning as it relates to some of the things the Lord uh, has been uh, uh, speaking in my life. We will uh, join together in communion at the end of service and at the end of uh, the message this morning, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment uh, towards the Lord uh, and, and the peace in your heart that we'll speak about and we'll come together and share communion at the end of the service this morning. But here, before we jump into uh, the message itself, I want to share with you uh, some some uh, personal uh, thoughts that I think are important, both as it relates to me individually uh, as, as pastoring this church, but also as it relates to us as a congregation in the days ahead. So uh, maybe uh, a year or more ago, I was uh, in... in thinking about uh, my walk with the Lord, and I enjoy uh, the educational sphere. And uh, I thought, I'm going to go back to, I think I'll go back to seminary. I want to um, uh, invest myself in learning the biblical languages better than uh, what I know them at this point. And I want to uh, learn uh, that that sphere better than what I do. And so I actually applied uh, to seminary online um, because the Lord uh, certainly has called us here for this season. And um, I got accepted and um, began planning for the process and just some things came along. I thought, I I can't do it uh, this year, not able to do it. And 
it kind of came back around uh, this fall, and I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start uh, in January. I'm going to go back, and uh, I uh, would really enjoy doing that. And the Lord hasn't told me no uh, to do that. But over Thanksgiving, um, not in an audible voice, not in a, um, you know, a, a vision or a dream or any of those things, but it was ultimately in uh, what I would consider uh, a still small voice uh, from the Lord, but one that uh, brings a firm uh, commitment. As I felt, um, as best I can describe it, uh, I believe, uh, Jesus spoke to me in, uh, in my heart and my mind and said, I want you to come to my seminary. Uh, and I uh, affirm that as sure as I'm standing here with you this morning. Uh, I love the academic realm, um, but I think the Lord uh, has a desire to uh, teach and help me to understand uh, more than what can be learned in a traditional uh, seminary uh, context. And so uh, I'm not sure what all that means. I took an opportunity. I've uh, shared some of that with Nicole, and I shared some with the ministry team this week, and I shared with all of them. I'm not positive uh, what all that means, and I continue to uh, pray into that. But what I do know is that the Lord is speaking. The Lord is carrying us uh, somewhere, and there are some things that we can learn through the academic realm through study and through discernment, there's other things that we can only learn through an encounter with God uh, in His, uh, through His Holy Spirit. And so that being said, what I do believe the Lord is saying is that there are some things that are necessary, but not necessary for me. Uh, there are some things in terms of the direction of the church and the leadership of the church and the approach of the church that are necessary, but not necessary for me to be involved in and not necessary for this season of Riverstone's existence. Now, I believe that God is firmly calling us to go after his presence, uh, to find ourselves uh, in his presence, uh, to find ourselves pursuing him with all that is within us. And frankly, as I think about it and as I pray about it, um, it's much more difficult than learning Greek or Hebrew. <laughs> And, uh, and so uh, I w I'm asking you to pray with me about this. Um, there, there are areas I think that God wants to lead me personally in a personal way, but there's also, I think, areas that God wants to lead us as a congregation. And so what I'm asking you, one of the things that, you know, as I've prayed about it and thought about it, what I'm asking you to do is commit with me and discern with me for the next year. Commit with me, um, one, to stick with me. I don't know exactly what this all will look like. I don't know exactly where all this will go, but please stick with me. Um, I'm asking you to also pursue his presence over the next year. Examine your own life and all the things that you have going on and what things are there that Jesus says, that's, good, but it's not good for right now. It's not where you need to focus your attention right now. Um, and let's discern together. And I think it will cause us to exert some effort and energy, probably in areas that we haven't done before. Last night, um, I was uh, working on my daughter's car. We bought Sophia a car 
uh, or she bought a car um, over the summer, and uh, she had a little fender bender on one side, and I hit a deer on the other side. <laughs> and uh, so both headlights needed to be replaced, and I worked on that uh, last night. And as I was kind of bent over the hood for a while like this, uh, I'm kind of working in there, and when I stand up, I can't do it very quickly. Like I'm, I'm trying to move to my shed to get some tools, and I'm having to like sort of lift up as I'm moving in that direction. And I'm thinking, what in the world is wrong with me? Uh, I'm not that old, but this kind of straightening up quickly after being bent over for a little bit is uh, pretty getting, getting a little painful. And so I was probably exercising some muscles in some way or something that uh, maybe haven't been exercised in a while or needing to exercise some muscles to help. And I think that's a good analogy for where God may want to take us spiritually. Um, There are some things that maybe we need to exercise that haven't been exercised in a while. And maybe in the beginning, it may be a little painful or a little uncomfortable. Um, But I think where God is leading us, we're going to have great joy as we see what he has in store. And so I just want to encourage you with that this morning. I want to share with you from my heart. What I hope to do is actually put an put a email or letter together to you with a few more thoughts there over the coming week and uh, give you some ideas of uh, what I am discerning from the Lord and maybe what you discern from the Lord. Uh, I'd love to hear from you as you're seeking the Lord and discerning his will both for your life and for uh, the church. So last Sunday, the first theme of Advent is hope. The second theme this week is uh, peace. And uh, as we think about peace and what it means to have uh, peace, uh, we see this in Isaiah chapter 9 and John 14, both times, both opportunities that the word peace is Use In the Hebrew language, the term for peace is probably one uh, that you're most familiar with, and that word is shalom. It's actually a greeting that the Hebrews would use for one another, as we might would say hello or good morning or otherwise. Uh, they would say shalom, uh, both to greet in terms of meeting someone, and also shalom as uh, a means of saying uh, goodbye. In the New Testament, uh, so the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament uh, was uh, the, mo- the majority of it was written in Greek, and the word for peace in uh, the New Testament is arene. And those words have a very similar uh, connotation. They carry with them an understanding of peace being a state of completeness or wholeness. So in 1 Kings 9 and 25, when Solomon uh, finished the temple, when he was building the temple in 1 Kings 9, 29, it says that he finished the temple. Uh, The term and the word there is that he brought shalom to the temple. He completed the temple. When the last block was placed in, it brought completeness or shalom uh, to the temple itself. Uh, scripture tells us that Jesus is our Irene, or our shalom, if we were to use the Hebrew term. Again, the understanding is as if it were a perfect uh, wall with no cracks or no missing blocks, that there is a sense of completeness that had been completely and 
perfectly done. So peace or shalom or the term in the New Testament, Irene, it doesn't just mean an absence of conflict. It actually means a sense of completeness or wholeness, uh, particularly as it relates to us uh, before the, the Lord. In fact, <clears throat> When uh, David, as a young man, was sent uh, to check on his brothers on the battlefield when they were battling uh, the, the Philistines and his father sent him to check on them, David goes and he checks on them and he, he asks essentially, how is your shalom? How is your peace? In the midst of a conflict, those who are fighting in the conflict, David comes and says, how is your shalom? And so Israel had long, as we think about in the Advent season, had long waited or anticipated the coming of Messiah to bring shalom or to bring completeness. We see throughout Israel's history that we have uh, Saul, and Saul, unfortunately, was a failure as a king, and then David uh, comes in and David ushers in essentially what is the golden age of Israel. There was the beauty and the glory of uh, the kingdom, and the kingdom passes then to Solomon. And Solomon, in the end of uh, his life, fails the Lord, and the kingdom divides itself. It's no longer complete. There's no longer this sense of shalom that David had brought in. And what happened as you read through the book of first and the books of first and second Kings is you see a history of wickedness and of uh, rebellion and some good kings, but mostly wicked kings. And the prophets continued to warn and Israel continued to obey. And the kingdom essentially uh, came to a point where it was cut down by the Lord and only a stomp remained. No peace, destruction, challenge, the glorious days, the golden days of David were gone and there was a stomp that was left because God had sold his kingdom or cut the kingdom of Israel off and had, uh, they had been sold into bondage. And in the depths of Israel's despondency, it's Isaiah that prophesies this text in chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, that a child will be born. In the midst of your despondency, in the midst of difficulty, Israel, in the midst of the challenge, in the midst of being beaten and abused by your oppressors, Israel, know that there is coming a day when there will be a child that will be born. Do not lose hope, Israel, because his name will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that there will be a shoot that will spring forth from Jesse. Jesse was the father of David, and David's line, it seemed like, had been cut down, but there was going to be a shoot that would spring forth off of that tree that would bear life again. And Jesus is the stem from Jesse. Jesus is the stem that will bear fruit and bring shalom. Everything that Jesus did hangs upon the qualities of who he is. 
And one of the key qualities of who Jesus is is that he comes to us, he comes to you and me in the anticipation of the Advent season as the Prince of Peace. And there's a few observations that I think are important for us to think about as we think about Jesus being our Prince of Peace. As I've read through the Christmas story again in the Gospels this season, when I look at it, At the surface level, what I see is that when Jesus came, he did not bring peace. The world was brutal. Roman rule had no respect for life. Jesus himself in Matthew 10 and 34 says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Interesting notion for the Prince of Peace to say. We know when Mary was visited by the angel and said, you're going to be with child. Think about the cultural penalties in that day of a woman who was pregnant and said she was pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. What would we do if a woman walked in our sanctuary making that claim today? We'd say, you're out of your mind. It was the death penalty for Mary. Culturally, when the angel visited her in the context in which she lived, adultery was punishable by death. We can't lose the idea that that she had to wrestle with in her mind that this pronouncement of God upon her would bring or could bring the ultimate price of her life. The angel says to her, do not be afraid, would certainly suggest a presence of fear. We think of Joseph when he was visited by the angel. The Bible says that he was a good man. Initially, when he comes to understand and know that this woman who he had been engaged to or betrothed to, That when she was with child, he wanted to put her away privately because he was a good man. But certainly no peace in that agonizing decision. What has this woman who I've been betrothed to done? What is she saying? Is she speaking out of her head? No peace. He had unsettling dreams. Matthew 2 and 13 says, An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, after uh, after he had committed to be with Mary, he says, Get up and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Imagine the fear that would enter your heart if tonight you had a dream about your child and it said the government is coming to destroy your child. Go to a country you haven't been before. Go to a place that you don't know about. Go to a place that you've only heard about. Flee because someone is coming tonight to destroy your child. Think of the other families in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 16. The slaughter of the unborn performed at the hand of Herod. Certainly no peace for those families. There are times when God says something to us 
God speaks to us. God gives us a word. And our circumstances don't seem to match up. Our reality does not seem to match the proclamation of what God has spoken to us. And it's during this time that we are to trust him and not ourselves. We have to trust him and not the circumstances that we find ourselves in. One of the scriptures that is often quoted is out of Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And the challenge is the context of that particular passage is that you're going to be, uh, you're going to be expelled from the land. You're going to be sold out. You can't stay here in this place that has been promised to you anymore. Because of your wickedness, because of your wretchedness, you are going to be put out. But, says God, I know the plans that I have for you. And when this period is over, I am going to bring you a future and a hope. John 16 and 33, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. And the sense that Jesus is giving in the midst of the turbulation of the world, in the midst of the challenge, in the midst of everything seeming to go haywire, Jesus says, I can give you peace. Rest in my peace, even when there is not peace external. When we also look at the other side of this is that when Jesus came, he did bring peace. He brought peace on the inside for Mary. Despite the outward circumstances, Mary found peace in the great goal of the kingdom. Be it unto me according to your word. Sister Sandy read this morning <coughs> out of Luke chapter 1, what's often called in your Bible, if you were to open up to uh, verse 46, a lot of times the title above that section is called the Magnificat because it is a song of praise out of Mary's heart for what God has done. Despite knowing that her life may be on the line, she knew that because she had been spoken to by a heavenly messenger and the Holy Spirit had moved in her life, that she could walk through that in praise unto God. We think of Joseph. We know very little historically about Joseph. But as I mentioned, Matthew 1 and 19 says that he was a righteous man. He wanted to do what was right before the Lord, and it sought to bring him peace with God. We go to the temple just after Jesus was born, and we see the peace of Simeon and Anna. Simeon, who had waited, the scripture says, for the consolation of Israel, rejoiced to see the first advent of Christ. He says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 29, Now you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Again, using that word peace, erene, or as in the Old Testament, shalom, in effect what? Simeon is saying, now, Lord, you're releasing your slave to depart in completeness. 
for I have laid my eyes upon the source of your salvation. Anna in the temple rejoiced that her fastings and her prayers had been heard. She had peace with God to know that he would answer her prayers. Some 80 years or so, probably in the temple, fasting and praying and seeking after God, seeking for the consolation of Israel, telling people about the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the scripture says to us that she did not cease to speak of him to everyone. Imagine a lady who had become a fixture essentially in the outer courts of the temple, praying, fasting, seeking, longing, when she finally sees what her heart has been drawn to over decades of time, she can't stop talking about him. Peace with God. Living in a situation or a society where anxiety and fear seems like it should be present on every corner, Jesus is able to bring peace to your soul and to my soul. We have a firm resolution in our heart that his word will speak to every circumstance. And though we wait in hope, sometimes, long seasons of time, sometimes our prayers go decades long before the Lord, asking him, calling out to him, crying out to him, wailing before him, God Touch, God help, God move, God bring revival, God save my family, God help my loved ones, God work in my health challenge, God work in my financial challenge, whatever that may be, waiting in hope, we're able to stand in a place of shalom, knowing that despite my external circumstances, God has given me peace. Praise the Lord. Advent is not just a telling of the story of what it meant to wait for Christ to bring hope and peace, but it's also a recognition of us waiting in anticipation for his second coming. And when Jesus comes again, just as at his first advent, well, there was a sense that in some individuals' lives it was kind of like a misunderstanding of how can this be the Prince of Peace and yet these circumstances are at work in my personal life. I believe the same thing is going to happen when the Lord comes again, that it will seem like he's not bringing peace. Second Peter 3 and 10 says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away. And with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Second Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4 says, For the day of the Lord will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. 
The Bible says in Matthew 25 and 41 that there will actually be a separation of the sheep and goats. It will not seem like there is going to be peace. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire on his left, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. There's a season coming, and I believe is now upon us, where the world is in upheaval. If we're not careful, we'll just kind of sit back in our homes and shrink it in and just think about our circumstances and our situations without seeing that the greater world is in a place of turmoil. With, in, in a, such a rapid fashion, the world is changing around us. Matthew 24 and 22 says, if those days had not been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. That it will be such a time, such a challenging season, such a difficult moment where there seems to be no peace. The day of the Lord. And yet we see, just as Jesus brought peace to the hearts of those who were looking for him when he came at his first advent. At his second advent, I believe he will also bring peace because it brings us back to right where we started, that he is our Prince of Peace. Christ has done much for us. He has made us complete in our relationship with him. The relationship with God that was broken, the Lord has restored through his death upon the cross. And not only can Jesus bring peace to you now, so if you're here this morning under the sound of my voice and you don't have that peace with God, the Bible says that you can have that peace today. You may have external circumstances that are challenging you, that tempt you toward anxiety and fear. But I can assure you this morning that if you have a relationship with Jesus, you can be assured of your eternal place with him. That despite the external circumstances, despite the external challenges, that Jesus will see you through. He brings us eternal peace that will see its full revelation in the future. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 7, John the Revelator writes this. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, 
The tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne says, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and I am the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is the promise that we rest ourselves in this morning, that despite the body that is in pain and agony at times, that makes us not able at times to be able to stand up straight, despite cancer, despite people who don't like us, despite people who want to throw stones at us, despite walking through family members who cast aspersions at us because we follow after the Lord, despite those on the outside who say to you, you go to that crazy church, why do you go there? You believe this mess, why do you believe that? Despite those who would come against us, what I want to affirm to you this morning is that Jesus Christ himself has prepared a place for you. And Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 7 speaks to you about that a blessed and eternal hope that there will be a place though you cry over loved ones today, though you cry over lost ones who have gone on today, though you cry over those who are not in Christ today, though you cry about the pain in the body, though you cry about health, though you cry about the anxiety in your mind, there will come a time there will come a day when the Lord himself, not someone else, not some heavenly angel, not a cherub, not a seraphim, not a created being, but the word of the Lord says to us that the Lord Jesus Christ himself, God himself will come and visit you. And the tears that you've shed, the challenges that you've faced, the moments of sorrow, the moments of anxiety, the moments of challenge, God himself will visit you. This is our blessed hope that there will come a day when all things will be made right and we will have peace, peace forevermore. A few weeks ago, I shared with you the illustration of the tension in which we live. We have the tension of this life pulling this way, and we have the tension of the life that is to come calling us in this direction. Right now, God has put us in this moment where we realize in the inward man, where we realize in the inward being that there is coming a day when all things will be made right, and yet we still trod upon this earth in flesh, yet this body continues to waste away. Young man, young lady, look at yourself good in the mirror today when you go home because next year you're going to look different and the next year you're going to look different and in 25 years you're going to look back and you're going to say, where did my hair go? Where did the color of my hair go? Why is my back feeling this way? The body is aging. The body is moving. The body is decaying. But the spirit man, the man within me, the man that reads the scripture, the one that is encouraged in my heart day by day, I'm saying, 
saying, Jesus, pull me along. Jesus, pull me along. Help me to focus myself on you that I'm not paying attention to this body. I'm not paying attention to these circumstances. I'm not thinking about what's going on in the whirlwind around me. But what I'm doing is I'm listening to the still small voice that brings me peace in my heart. That I know that I'm challenged here, but there's a day coming there where I will rest in his glory. And I'm not going to be in the back row saying, Jesus is over there. I'm not going to be in the back of the house. I'm not going to be in some other room. But the word of the Lord affirms to me that he will visit me personally and dry every tear that I've ever shed from my eye. I will have peace with God. I will have peace with God. Job says, Job, read Job. It's about 40 chapters. Read the book of Job. Many scholars believe that the book of Job is the oldest book of the Bible, not Genesis, but Job was likely even written before Genesis. So a book about the trials of life. A book about losing everything. A book about a faithful man who lost everything. And yet through the grace of the Holy Spirit, Job says, those skin worms devour my flesh. Now we pretty things up really good. I've done a whole lot of funerals and funeral directors can do a good, good job. But what happens when that coffin's lowered six feet under and years begin to take their toll? It's not a pretty sight, I can imagine. Those skin worms devour this flesh, Job said. Yet in my flesh, he says, I shall see God. So I am torn up by a worm that eats his flesh, yet there will come a day in a renewed body that doesn't ache, that doesn't have difficulty, that's not challenged anymore, where with my own eyes, I will look upon the glory of my Savior. You and I, no matter what we're facing this morning, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what struggles you're going to walk through today, trust in this. That you can have peace with God right now to know that there is something coming that is great and marvelous and powerful and glorious. Though we may stumble, though we may see through a glass darkly, the Apostle Paul says, there will come a day when we will look with our eyes upon the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. <clears throat> and We're going to come to communion. I had the opportunity yesterday uh, to visit an old church in the community. And I think I've shared this before. What was interesting about being in that old uh, church is that the pulpit was over here. <clears throat> And over on this side was another lectern with a Bible on it. 
And what was at the center was what we would call the communion table. Historically, the body of Christ has come together, not that the word of God is not important, it is important, but historically the body of Christ has come together in order to come and dine at the table with the Lord. To be at the table with the Lord. And that is what we're doing this morning. Communion is not just a once a month act that we say, okay, we fulfilled that ritual this month. <clears throat> I would pray you'd never come in that way. Jesus instituted this, the apostle Paul said, on the night before he died. That he took the bread and he took the cup and he shared them with his disciples, those whom he loved. He shared it with them. And as we've talked about before, <clears throat> in the traditional Jewish meal, there were four cups that were drank. Two as part of the meal, two after the meal. Scripture is clear that Jesus took the third cup, the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So when we take the cup, it's the third cup. With the anticipation that this meal is not finished. This is why, as believers, we anticipate what the Scripture says is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where we will rejoice around a table with the Lord and finish the meal that was started 2,000 years ago. What a glorious picture the Lord has left us. And so this morning I've asked our leadership team that is uh, responsible for ushering. I'm going to have a word of prayer and we won't come in lines this time. We're going to have a time of prayer. Our brother will lead us in a chorus of worship. And I want you to pray until you have peace with God. And when you have peace with God, I want you to come to the table and receive the elements. And we'll give a period of time here. And I will say to you, maybe you need someone to stand with you to get to that point of peace. If that's the case, I invite you to come and we will pray with you until the peace of God comes. But we're going to pray together. And when you have a sense of peace from the Lord, maybe that's asking forgiveness of your sins. times I sit with people and they reflect on their sinfulness. God's not in heaven reflecting on your sinfulness this morning. If you've asked him for forgiveness, the Bible says he cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, they never touch. Do you realize that? As far as the east is from the west, the east and west never touch. It's infinite. He cast your sin away from him. 
If you stumbled this week, he's not up in heaven rolling his eyes at you. <laughs> Messed up again. That's not your Savior. That's not your Lord. He beckons us to come to him this morning. So as we pray and you have that sense of peace, come, I'll ask those who are, uh, will be at the tables to go ahead and remove the lids. <clears throat> and brethren, just let people come at will. Uh, we won't dismiss in lines. Uh, we will pray as God brings you peace, make your way to a table. Uh, receive the elements, return to your seat, and we'll receive communion together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together. God, I pray that your peace would invade this congregation right now. Lord Jesus, you don't give peace as the world gives peace. From the time of Adam and Eve's sin until the present, I don't know that the world has ever known peace. And your word affirms to us that you do not give peace as the world gives peace. You give completeness, wholeness, a sense of shalom. You give us a sense, oh God, that even though there is a whirlwind about us, you give us peace whose mind is stayed upon you. So, Lord, this morning I pray that you would visit this congregation corporately and individually. God, that you would bring peace where there needs to be forgiveness of sins. Right now, your saints are making confession. Where there needs to be a turning over of fear and anxiety to you. Right now, that's happening and you're filling with peace. Well, there has been hope that is lost. Right now, you're restoring hope that as they come, they do so with clean hands and a pure heart, hoping in you. So God, I pray right now that you would move upon your people and that you would bring that assurance of peace. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry of your spirit this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. As the Lord speaks to your heart, make your way to a table and you can return and we'll receive communion together. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will
Help me sing it. And it flows. And it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from death. receive the elements this morning I trust you have peace with God today stand in that peace live in that peace this morning that has been purchased by the blood of Jesus for you don't wrestle with the anxiety of the here and now but live in the blessed hope of peace that is to come the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed when he had given thanks, he took the bread, 
and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the gift of of Jesus Christ. We thank you this morning for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you this morning for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Out of Galatians 5 and 22 and other places that help us to live like our Lord and bless the body of Christ. You are a God who gives good gifts. And this morning I pray, Lord, that as we commune with Jesus, what the church has done for hundreds and thousands of years together, sometimes in beautiful cathedrals, sometimes under a brush arbor, sometimes in a jungle, but what the church has done in various places, at various times, and coming together and recognizing your sacrifice. Lord, together we do proclaim your death until you come. Until means we're waiting. We are anticipating a second coming. We are longing for a second coming. And so until you come, we will proclaim your death, for it is in your death that we have peace with God. So God, thank you this morning for the opportunity we have to make a firm commitment, a firm resolve unto you that during this season of hope, during this season of anticipation, we will live in the peace of God despite our circumstances. And so God, now I pray that you will bless his people. God, together, that we would stand resolute in our commitment. And we thank you, God, for the visitation of your spirit this morning. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. And we exalt in your presence today. In your name, we pray these things and ask them. Amen and amen. Go in the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning.